Come on, come on, Bay Hills. How are we doing this morning? Yeah. Hey, if I haven't got a chance to say hello to you, my name is Carl. Uh, I'm new on staff, which I'm greatly about. Thank you for jacking in. Yeah, so uh, just recently came on as uh, the teaching pastor, and I'm so uh, pumped to be here and be part of Bay Hills. Uh, If you're a guest today, thank you so much for taking time uh, out of your weekend to join us. We bribed you with... uh, Coke and popcorn, and yeah, we do that every week, so just come back. There's always food. They'll just say, no, I'm kidding. But sincerely, thank you for joining us this weekend. It's going to be a great uh, time as we jump into the third week of our At The Movie series. During this series, we are pulling out biblical truth, biblical truths out of blockbuster movies. And does anybody remember Blockbuster? Remember Blockbuster? Oh, my gosh. There's one Blockbuster left in the country. Do you know that? It's independently ran in Oregon, in Bend, Oregon. Yeah. It's a little, little, little fact of the day. I just want to give that to you. There you go. Uh, <laughs> um, I forgot what I was talking about. Uh, yeah, no, so we're jumping, in, jumping into this series, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, today, I'm actually teaching on one of my favorite movies, and I'm not just saying that. Dave didn't tell me to say that. This is actually one of my top five favorite movies of all times. Uh, this is the movie called The Greatest Showman. Uh, precursor, precursor, it's not a musical. It's just a movie with music in it, okay? So it's manly, all right? There you go. Uh, but I love this movie because in this movie, it chronicles the life of P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum, uh, Barnum Bailey Circus. P.T. built this massive empire for himself over a season of ups and downs. And one of the things that we see through the life of P.T. Barnum is what do you do in those seasons? What do you do in the valleys? And what do you do in the peaks? And we are going to pull out some truths out of God's word based on this movie. So let's get it started at the movies. Greatest Showman. Check this out. It's everything you ever wanted, everything you've ever needed. For PT, he, he starts to develop this mindset because the way that his life started, it made him question how his life would continue and end. You see, PT... Uh, he's a son of a tailor, and when his father dies, Barnum is left with nothing. He has to make fend for himself in the streets. He eventually heads off to the, ser- to the armed services. But he, in his mind, he's just thinking, can my future be everything that I've ever wanted if it starts off like this? Maybe that's a question you're asking yourself this morning. Something that you've desired for a long time, and, and then it seems like it's beginning to happen, but then it seems like there's hiccups along the way. It's a job that you wanted, but then the pay doesn't seem to line up. It's a parent who gets ill way before you thought their time would come. You're wondering to yourself, who's going to really have my back? Are these friendships, are these relationships going to last? While Barnum really believed that the best was ahead for his life, he struggled along the way. But here's what I want you to grab onto this morning. God desires the very best for your life. 
Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you haven't heard that in a long time. Maybe this is the first time you heard that. But I want you to know this truth, that God desires the very best for your life. And he gives us a simple key to lead us that way. In Proverbs 3, it reads like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He doesn't say mind. He doesn't say money. Trust with the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Leaning not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, submitting, coming underneath, giving a posture of, of, of help and, and, and saying, I need something, someone greater than me. When we do that, it begins to bring things into perspective. And, and instead of us going our own way, we choose that of God's. We choose that of Jesus's. If you're inclined to take notes, go ahead and write this down. Chasing potential leads to problems. Chasing potential leads to problems. Here's what you got to understand. Our potential is infinite. Our potential is infinite. You, you, there's always more that you could do. And so many of us, give me, come on somebody, I'm speaking to somebody this morning. So many of us spend all of our lives chasing after potential because when you were a little kid remember people say you have so much potential but there's only so many hours in the days there's only so many weeks in there's only so many weeks in the year there's only so many weeks in our lives and in this chase for this potential this elusive thing we end up getting ourselves into problems we end up getting into the comparison game. We end up getting into the looking over the fence game. We get, up, get, in, get into the keeping up with the Joneses game or keeping up with the Lopez's game. That was funnier than you guys laughed. See, it's Lopez because it's Hispanic and there's Hispanic people here. You know that, no? Okay, okay, I'll move on. Someone will explain that joke to you later. See, it, it, it's, it's, it's this idea. It's this idea that I've got to do more. I got to do more to get more. Where the flip side of that is this. Commitment to calling leads to contentment. Commitment to calling leads to contentment. There's a great difference between potential and calling. Potential is what I can do on my merit, on my strength. Calling is what God will do, can do, when I make myself available to him. And when I commit to the calling, it leads me, as Scripture says, into a space where I have a peace that surpasses all understanding, and I am content. Look at me in the eyes, somebody. Ready? If you get anything today, get this. If more of us were content with what God has given us and where God has positioned us, we would receive, we would have a joy that this world would not understand. You're about to come into the, the Christmas season. Some of you already got your Christmas trees up because you're crazy people, right? <laughs> slow Day after Thanksgiving, okay? But what's going to happen in this season? Lack of contentment. 
I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. I got to have this. I got to have that. You're looking. And all that does is breed inside of us problems with each other, problems with our friends, with our spouses, with our families, with our children, rather than saying, God, how can you make me more content in what you've called me to? Barnum has to figure this out. And he gets married to this woman named Charity, his childhood sweetheart. They have two little girls. Barnum becomes a shipping clerk. But then life happens and the company he works for goes out of business and he decides to take things into his own hands. Amen if you've ever taken things into your own hands. He takes things into his own hands and it doesn't work out how he thought it would. Look at this. Anybody ever been there? Sales are slow. Things aren't turning out the way he had hoped. And here's what happens. Feelings of failure and rejection begin to creep in. For so many of us, there are those seasons where feelings of failure and rejection begin to creep in. Jesus speaks to this in Luke Chapter 5, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third book in the New Testament. Luke pens a a scene where Jesus is interacting with these young men that are later known, that are going to be known as his disciples, as his students. And Jesus finds these young men, some of them teenagers. He finds these young men who are living in a state of failure and rejection they are physically literally in it in the text that we're going to read in a moment but they have lived this for the last few years because understand this in the first century in the rabbinical system a young jewish boy not girl a young jewish boy would go and he would learn at the synagogue in the temple and he would sit underneath a rabbi and then every few years there would be a test to see if you could continue on and when they got 11 or 12 years old 13 years old they would take a final test on the first five books of the bible the Torah, which most Jewish boys by the age of 12 had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Come on, somebody who's having a hard time memorizing a couple verses. But then they would stand before this rabbi and the rabbi would tell them if they were able to, tr- to continue to follow that rabbi. If they had the intellectual, spiritual, potential ooh, to follow that rabbi. And these young men specifically were told no. So now they had to go and get into the family, the family business. Not really family business because in this agrarian culture, people did what they had to do to survive. So these men, they fish, they farm, they built things out of stone. They built, this is, they just became blue collar folks and did what they had to do. And here they are fishing to provide. And they have this encounter with Jesus in Luke chapter 5. You've got a Bible, open up or open up to these giant Bibles on the side here. And it reads like this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. 
He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. They're washing their nets from the previous, uh, uh, previous morning, previous evening of fishing. He got into one of the boats. He takes one of the boats because he's Jesus and he can do what he wants. The one belonged to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Where Jesus is here on the Sea of Gennesaret, on the Sea of Galilee, he is sitting out a little bit pulled out from shore. And the way that the, that, that, that the geography is in that area, it made this perfect acoustic so everyone could hear Jesus teach who are on the shore. And Jesus here is setting an example. He's, 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 he's teaching these people, but are the disciples, these students, these young men watching? And Jesus goes on in verse 4. It says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, this is Peter. He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Jesus tells Simon Peter, go deep. Go deep. He's talking to these men who had fished these waters for most of their life, who knew when the catch was in, who knew what the, when the catch was out, and they have caught nothing. But Jesus says, go deep. Go deep and do it again. See, oftentimes, even though everything should be working out on paper for us, things just don't go as it plans. We finally get into that group of friends that we want, but they let us down. That marriage that you've poured so much into ends in a, in a rocky, tumultuous divorce. That son or daughter that, that you, yet you labored over and brought to church and did all the right things goes their own way. Your family seems to be falling apart right in front of you, that, that depression and anxiety that you thought had gone away returns with a fury. But in that moment, Jesus says to us, go deep. Put the nets out for a catch. Try again, this time on my authority. Friends, listen to this and write this down if you're inclined to take notes. It is depth with Jesus that leads to true desires of our heart. It's depth with Jesus. It's intimacy with Jesus. Jesus is saying, would you go a little further with me? Would you not try harder, but would you try again? Would you trust me? Would, would Would you just place yourself into my hands? Barnum, who finds his world crashing down around him doesn't realize that the answer he's been looking for, like many of you, is right in front of them. Look at this. My kids never give me advice that good. No, I'm kidding, actually. My little girls oftentimes give me the very best advice. And it's in moments like that when I'm sitting on the edge of their bed and they call me out on my junk, they call me out on my stuff, and they're like, hey, daddy, and give me a truth. You know why? It's because their minds aren't blocked with, 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 with insecurity. Their minds aren't blocked with what they can't do. They believe they can do anything at any 
time. Like they run around the house thinking that they're wizards and, 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 and unicorns. Like the imagination has run wild with them. So then when I come in with my, oh, this is how it's going to be and this is how it's going to be and my woe is me. They're like, no, no, no. You're missing it. And it's in this innocence that this, this answer's there right in front of him the whole time. They tell him that he needs to let go of those old wax dead things and needs something that is alive. For the disciples, Jesus says the same thing. Look at verse 5. After he tells them to go out, Simon answered, Master. Listen, he doesn't call him sir. He doesn't call him guy. Master, Lord, he's putting Jesus in an authoritative position instantly. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. What net is Jesus asking you to let down this morning? I've tried. I haven't caught anything. But master, because you say so, I will let down the net. Jesus is simply asking for your obedience this morning. You want the blessing? Jesus wants your obedience. You want more? Jesus wants your trust. You want things worked out? Jesus wants to see faith in action. And the answer was there right in front of them. Would you obey me? Peter puts Jesus right into his spot as leader and says, because you say so, I will do it. For you and I, oftentimes the answer to our problems are right in front of us. But we don't obey so quickly, right? We should be implementing wise counsel for our trusted friends. Choosing to forgive someone rather than holding on to a grudge. Ending a toxic relationship that we know isn't doing anything for us but hurting us. Trusting in Jesus with something that's in our life that's challenging, that we're facing, that we've tried to do on our own, but we need more. The answer's not out there. The answer's not elusive. It's right here in front of you. But will we choose to obey? See, Barnum goes back and forth and then listens to these young girls. And in this new season, he goes out and finds unique persons of curiosity. And this changes everything. Look at this. Barnum calls on the untrained, non-experts who are willing to embrace something great. The disciples that Jesus appeals to are untrained, non-experts in the area that Jesus is calling them to. Because he's not calling them just to fish for fish. Look what happens in verse 6. When they had done so, when they had let down their nets, 
They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Jesus tells them to let down their nets and they bring in the catch of a lifetime. A catch so great that their nets literally begin to break. That they need to summon others. Because when the blessing comes, we aren't to hold it to ourselves. We are to summon others to tell them, come and enjoy. Come and take part of the goodness that God is doing. And they join in and their nets begin to break. And their boat is so full of fish that the boats begin to sink. There is a blessing on the other side of your obedience. It may not be a blessing of financial wealth, but again of a peace, of a contentment, of a calling that only can come from Christ Jesus. But when we go into that season, we must approach that season with a certain posture. I love that word posture, man. I tell you, it's one of my favorite words. It constantly reminds me. It constantly reminds me to to reposition myself. The Apostle Paul gives us the exact illustration in Philippians chapter 2 where he says this. Do not be selfish. Don't try to impress others, somebody in here. Be humble, Carl. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus did. I need to take on the personality. I need to take on the character of Christ Jesus. And when I do that, when you do that, my friends, that's when you begin to live that life beyond belief, beyond expectation, beyond anything that you could ever hope or imagine. But understand this, it's not always easy. Because you might find yourself in a valley right now. And when we're in valleys, you know what we do? We get fleshy when we're in valleys. We get fleshy where we think we got to do it on our own. I got to create something. I got to make something happen. Every man in the room said amen. And in those situations, God is saying, no, no, no. I need you to rely on me. Barnum tries to take things into his own hands. And he gets lost in himself. He gets lost in the glamour. He begins to treat those around him unkindly. And things get out of balance. But here's the reminder in that. God uses broken people to do great things. God uses people with faults to do great things. Peter says to Jesus, right before this, Peter says to Jesus, I'm a sinful man. You think Jesus doesn't know that? I'm a sinful man. But who does Peter, who does God use? God uses tax collectors, people who were hungry for money, who were greedy and self-absorbed. He uses prostitutes. He uses addicts. 
He uses lepers. He uses demon-possessed. He uses adulterers. He uses thieves. Even on the cross, he tells the thief that today you will be with me in paradise. He uses the broken things of this world so that his glory may be revealed. And wherever you find yourself, hear this truth. Your greatest days are often on the other side of your darkest moments. Your greatest days are often on the other side of your darker moments. I don't care what you did last night. Those of you who got drugged to church today, God doesn't care what you did last night. He just loves you too much to allow you to stay in that mess much longer. And you get this, right? Valleys are created by, 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 by what? By two peaks. One on each side. That's how valleys are created. Which tells me if I'm in a valley, there is something better ahead. But it depends how I get there. See, some of you need to walk hand in hand with Jesus. Some of you need to walk side by side with Jesus. Some of you need to walk behind Jesus. Some of you need to get on Jesus' back and have him take you up that hill. And when he does, our best days are ahead of us. For the disciples, it looks like this. In verse 6 and 7, excuse me, verses uh, 10 and 11, then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Some of you look at me in the eye. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus calls them into a new life. And they leave everything. Does it say they took the catch? The catch of a lifetime. Nope. They pulled their boats up full of fish. Left everything and followed Jesus. Are you willing to leave everything to follow Jesus? To be obedient to Jesus. To submit yourself to Jesus. To give your relationships, your finances, your children, your marriages. To give everything over to Jesus so that you can live the greatest life. That he's authored for you. Barnum finds himself in a valley after he's been in the peak. His circus burns down. The fancy friends go away. And he's left wallowing, sulking. And then his community reminds him of what really counts for this. Barnum finally realizes that the greatest life he could ever experience was always there right in front of him. That's a truth I want you to hold on to this morning. The greatest life that you could ever experience is right in front of you. 
found in the person of Jesus Christ. And when you find yourself in difficult moments, hold on to this, that trials lead to triumphs. Your trial, your suffering, your frustration, the season you find yourself in will not be for nothing. God uses all things for the good of those who love him. And his triumph will ring true in and through you. And maybe that means you got to go out into the deep. You got to go out into the deep and extend yourself in that small group. Extend yourself into growth track. Extend yourself into the discipleship process. Maybe it means you got to let down that net that you've tried before, but you got to try again in that broken relationship, in FPU, in those finances, with that son, with that grandchild. Maybe you got to stop the negative self-talk and say, God, you've been using broken people like me for thousands of years. Why not me today? And maybe for you, it's the greatest act of obedience to submit yourself to the person of Jesus Christ. Stop living your way. Stop living for your desires, but live for his and ask him to be the king, the Lord, like Peter said, the master of your life. All across this room, would you close your eyes and bow your heads, please? If you're sitting here this morning, with all eyes closed, all heads bowed, it's just me. If you're sitting here this morning and you know for the very first time you need to say yes to Jesus, you need to ask Jesus to be the master, you need to ask Jesus to be the Lord so that you can live your very best life, a life beyond expectation, a life beyond imagination. And you don't want to do it your way anymore. You want to put your hands in, you want to put your life into the hands of the Father. If that's you right here, right now, not for anybody else, but for you, would you just throw a hand up as a sign of surrender, a sign of submission? Say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I see that hand. Praise Jesus. If that's you, just throw that hand up nice and proud. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right where you're sitting, you can say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Give me your Holy Spirit. I know that you went to the cross and died for my sins. And I want to start living for you today. The greatest life imaginable. Shine in me. Shine through me. If you just said that prayer, you've made the greatest courageous decision of your life. And I want to encourage you afterwards to go to the back and meet one of our staff members. Meet a volunteer and tell them about the decision that you made and what are some next steps you can take in your journey with Christ Jesus. And for the rest of us, as we sit here, let's receive this word. Father God, may you help us to go to a deeper place with you. Maybe it's opening up our Bibles again, Lord Jesus. Maybe it's joining a small group. Father God, may you uh, help us to let down the nets and try again in broken relationships, Father Jesus. Give us an innocence of children to trust you and be obedient to you, Lord God. May you do something great in and through us 
not for our sake, but for the sake of your name and your glory. We offer ourselves up to you. Let us leave this place with renewed minds, with a passion, with a hope that is found only in the person of Christ Jesus. And it's in his powerful name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.